The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Friday night under the lights at the Emirates, the holy trinity of light-hearted football-focused interview questions, the most Saturday 12.30pm kickoff possible, Manchester City 5, Burnley 0, mild, rainy chaos in the 5.30 game, match of the day montages, the phantom untelevised 2pm Sunday game that you'd actually rather be watching instead, futile calls for referee inconsistency, and Monday night under the lights at Goodison. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and the most regular weekend of Premier League football imaginable. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 111 of the Football Clichés podcast. And I want to start with a tweet from listener Paddy Milnes. He asks, in the Antonio Conte meme, where he asks for one normal day of Barclays that will never happen, what would the most normal day of Barclays look like? What matches and results would there be? Well, Paddy, we're here to serve you. Um, Now, alongside me for this epic voyage into approximating the Premier League experience is Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. Hello. Are you clear about what we're trying to achieve? I think I am, yeah. Good. And I think it'll be a very worthwhile exercise. So do I. So do I. Alongside you, uh, potentially on a voyage of discovery from the offset, is Nick Miller. How's it going? Very well. Very well. I also think I know what we're doing. So we're starting this episode filled with confidence. Good. Um, of course, perhaps one of the most enduring memes of the Premier League era, I, ha- I hate the word, but I do have to say it, is the Antonio Conte meme. One regular day of Barclays, that's all I ask for will never happen. Now, you may be wondering the genesis of this, where it all came from and uh, and and how it all started. Well, I, c- I can reveal that Antonio Conte never said those words, not that that should ever need explaining, but just in case any of you are in any doubt, <coughs> Antonio Conte did not say those words or anything approaching those words. It was tweeted by someone by called Kismo back in August 2016. Uh, he tweeted those very words. One regular day of Barclays, that's all I asked for, will never happen. But Charlie and Nick, do either of you know what it was in response to? That so was, when was it, did you say August 2016? August 2016. The, the, the text of the tweet was simply um, added to an image of Antonio Conte, an exasperated-looking Antonio Conte, just to so, just to make the meme. So Conte has no role in this whatsoever. So the something original... wacky has happened in August 2016. Yeah. So that's the start of that season... Uh, where Leicester were champions. What would have happened? That? And Pep Guardiola had just taken over at City. It, arguably, Zlatan had just arrived. Yeah, it's it's not very Premier league at all, arguably. It's more championship behaviour. I, I don't think either of you are going to get it, so perhaps I need to put you yeah. out of misery. Um, the tweet was in response to Middlesbrough's Adam Clayton getting his balls out in an otherwise <laughs> standard post-match dressing room team photo after a 2-1 win over Sunderland in August 2016. That's... That's, where it, that's wow. where it originated. That's where it came from. So uh, nothing to do with Antonio Conte whatsoever. How strange. Mm. But nonetheless, nonetheless, that meme exists. And it does, it does make you think, what is the most standard, regular, normal day of Premier League action? And what happens if we extended that over to an entire weekend? Where do we begin? We begin, Nick, on Friday at 8pm. And do you know who's playing? It's Arsenal versus Norwich. At the Emirates, I, I was gonna when you sent this uh, run, suggested running order round. I was gonna sort of try and pick holes in it and quibble, but n- now you've mentioned it. The only two places I can picture Friday night football taking place are Arsenal and Southampton. And well, that yeah, I was gonna say the uh, St Mary's did jump out at me for Friday night football. I that think might it, just be recency bias because they did play there literally last Friday. But in well, my I, head. I, I think it's. Right. I think it's also because that 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 the, when uh, Leicester beat them nine nil, that was on Friday night. I think it was. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another iconic Friday nights under the lights at St Mary's. It's been truly fascinating, actually, sort of gathering this this cloud of of kind of semi anecdotal 
data from people who think that certain teams belong on certain days. I have tried for about 300 people. I have tried to put it all together, mould it all together into a cohesive fixture list. But this is where we start. Arsenal 3, Norwich nil. Charlie. Um, an, an Arsenal game in this context feels like it can, only, it can only go one of two ways. Either they're going to do something ridiculous with Granit Xhaka getting sent off. But this is Norwich. I feel like Arsenal are going to leave Mikel Arteta purring after a 3-0 win. Interesting. I mean, because I imagine it starts, and if it is Dave Jones... Kelly on a Friday, maybe? Maybe it would be Kelly. Kelly But I I, I just sort of see Dave Jones introducing it as like, and Arsenal, after a bad season, are they on the up? And then the kind of pre-match of like, you know, we all had a go at Arsenal, but actually they're not so bad. Which then makes me think, because then expectations might have been raised, it would, they would, I I, I don't think it'd be as emphatic. I think they might grind out a sort of... uh, Slightly underwhelming uh, 1-0 against a game, uh, but limited uh, Norwich side who didn't start playing into the last few minutes and had a couple of half chances. Oh, um, but everyone goes back kind of happy. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a shame that you, you're going so modest with it because uh, I had the scorers laid out and everything. I had it as uh, Grant Hanley own goal to get things going. Maybe, maybe a sort of deadlock breaker towards the end of the first half. Emil Smith-Rowe and uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang rounding off the scoring. Um, commentators Bill Leslie and Don Goodman, Nick. Don Goodman, I don't know. It, it, I, it, it may well be accurate, but he's 100% championship for me. Don no, Goodman. he's creeping he's... into Premier League duties. Yeah, he does get, he does get um, Premier League gigs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, this this game is very kind of, this is the, like the eighth game of, an, uh, of a sort of low-key unbeaten run for Arsenal. And everyone just kind of says, maybe we were a little bit harsh, as Charlie said earlier, maybe a little bit harsh on Arteta. The next week, they then lose 5-1 to Chelsea. Yeah. And another key point of this is that um, by by Monday, or by, actually probably by Saturday at 3pm, will have been entirely forgotten. It may as well not not have taken place. Will not be mentioned at all in any, in any of the sort of post-weekend roundups or anything yeah. like that. This is the yeah. danger of the Friday 8pm, isn't it, Charlie? Cursory, cursory highlights at the end of Match of the Day. But, uh, you know, it, and almost, I feel like it's done with a bit of disdain because it's almost yeah. like we, do, we don't we don't want there to be a Friday night game. But, you know, here you go. If you want to see a shit Arsenal Norwich game, here you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think the analysis after the game is very much the... And, you know, can we talk about Arsenal as top four contenders? They're a little way off still for me. Um, you know... It, <laughs> It's a start, but we we have been here before, and you know, a few more wins, and and then and then I think maybe we're talking about them. Yeah, who's in the studio for this? I mean, uh, it's not a list. I don't know. I'm trying. I to think, think it's who's the I, Arsenal I think, figure that they could have. I think I mean, Jamie Red Jamie Redknapp's there. Yeah, Redknapp's there. Well, oh, just yeah. in a kind of Perennial neutral. Figure. So, Jamie, how, are we getting closer to seeing Mikel Arteta's Arsenal now? <laughs> I'm sort of starting to form. It's taken a while, um, and, and into. Uh, and into that, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, maybe like a Kevin Campbell or someone, yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of yeah. figure as well. Yeah, it, it's a very casual on a Friday. You know, yeah, it exactly. Have to be suits. It, it's you know the black trainers with the white soles. It's a very casual affair. It's Friday. Um, and Nick, you know, if you don't like any of this, if you don't like Don Goodman and all that sort of stuff, you can switch over to the other channel because it's West Brom versus Cardiff over in the Champo. <laughs> so uh, you can watch. See that's that. That's where Don Goodman is. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, Lee Hendry. I'm not I'm Arsenal. It's Lee Hendry. Lee Hendry, who does pop up in Premier League games as well. Mm, mm. A lot of competition at this football club. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's the scene setter. Um, no, no real fireworks to, to kick off the Premier League weekend. But um, Saturday kicks off in perennial style with football focus, Charlie. And now a programme I no longer watch, uh, but I was, I was massively reassured last weekend when uh, Harry Maguire was interviewed on Football Focus by Dion Dublin. This was this was in the weekend after their 5-0 defeat to Liverpool. And uh, he was just given the absolutely classic Football Focus treatment. I've got to find out. Biggest joker. Who's always messing about, trying to make the lads laugh? I think we've got probably Jesse. I'd put Jesse. Best dressed player? I'd go with Eddie Cavani. He's really smart, looking smart all the time. Um, comes in, makes a good effort. Spends a while in the mirror, so I go with it. <laughs> Opposite to that, who lets themselves down with the gear? I would have to put Dean Henderson up there. Um... Who's the DJ in the dressing room? Who's in charge of the music? And is it any good? Well, it's not great, to be honest. <laughs> Who's um, in charge? 
I think Fred put something on, or Bruno. I think it's Fred or Bruno. So it's not my style or any of the English lads' style. What genre, what genre are we talking about? I couldn't even put a genre on it, I don't think. Charlie, I would happily do an entire episode on this but uh, i mean i don't know entirely where we start but it's an absolutely apocalypse proof line of questioning that isn't <laughs> it and even the even the music in between the questions is yeah, yeah, so yeah. football focus so i'm about to ask you a really light-hearted question that's also uh, that format of questioning has also been seen on soccer am as well hasn't it that um yeah the the longest the longest in the shower is such a good one <laughs> no, um, it's not it's just i mean it's like it, it's such a weird uh, sort of phrasing of that. It is, it is the perfect uh, perfect scene setter. With then with then then la- the presenter whoever it is laughing at the end of it. Just to really just really cushion it all. But Nick, as purely as a viewer of the three questions, uh, let's recap: who's the Joker, who's the best and worst dressed, and who's the DJ in the dressing room? Which one are you actually interested in of the three? Which one do you care about the most? Oh, uh, I mean none none of them at all. But uh, <laughs> but uh, what I what I did like about that was the absolute certainty that if Harry Maguire was in charge of the being the DJ in the dressing room, the music would be wall-to-wall Cortinas. He does um, want to clarify, I should say, that he would put house music on. Didn't oh, specify okay. what, uh, anything right. more than that, yeah. just just house. Dion Dublin was rather taken aback, I can confirm. Oh. Well, I, the, the, the other thing I liked about it was, was Dion Dublin's just kind of enthusiasm for it all being met with virtually nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know whether this is this is a simply a player from a beleaguered team just talking to the media and he just laughing can't. just days after Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing that the whole segment is about eight minutes. The whole segment started with um, a, a flashback to Old Trafford, Liverpool's win with sort of um, um, muffled radio reports of yeah, and Liverpool yeah. have five at Old Trafford and sort of you know booze ring around Old Trafford. Yeah, the traditional you know sort of low colour. Um, mm. I can see it perfectly. And then so they ask him, a, Dion asks him a couple of questions about, you know, how are you going to react to all of this? And it's very sombre. And then suddenly he just asks, <laughs> who's the joker in the dressing room? <laughs> <laughs> just, you, there's, football focus is always there, just bursting at the seams, trying to <laughs> that, come out. That's but, also, for Manchester United, that's also surely a completely pointless question because who... What was there any doubt at all that it was going to be Jesse Lingard? There's no, there was, there's genuinely no one else it could possibly have been. Yeah, these questions never need to surprise. I don't think, no. um, but yeah, they, yeah, I think he nailed it. Um, but we're not watching that. We're watching uh, the build-up to the Saturday twelve thirty kickoff. Charlie, I'm offering you Watford one, Liverpool three, from Vicarage Road. The King Power is the only rival really for Vicarage Road for that twelve uh, thirty slot. Leicester got a lot of shout-outs for the twelve thirty. I have to say. Yeah, I can. I can definitely see that um, a kind of quite sunny uh, King Power, Watford, bit darker, a bit, mm. bit more gloomy <laughs> uh, in 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 my mind. I have actually been to a twelve thirty at Watford. Can confirm it happened. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, Watford one Liverpool three. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, that game happened, didn't it? Earlier yeah. this season, I think. Yeah. Presumably, that was at twelve thirty. I mean, it sounds like it must have been. Yeah, N- never good that I've just basically copied and in- <laughs> pasted an entire scoreline. But that's what came into my head. Um, Nick, of all the time slots in a Premier League weekend, I think Saturday twelve thirty does appear to evoke the most from people. Um, Callum Ray says Norwich Liverpool at Curra Road is pure half twelve. Fat Bill says Arsenal versus Norwich is very half twelve. I would say maybe Norwich versus Arsenal is more half twelve. Mm, Mark McKinnon yeah. says Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. So people clearly do have very strong feelings about who and what encapsulates a twelve thirty Saturday. Emirates isn't isn't half twelve on no. a Saturday. I don't think. No, no I, don't, I don't think so. I, I I picture a a big six team against a non big big six team at the the smaller team's ground. Yeah, that feels. I don't think it's. Uh, unless on the very, on the kind of rare occasions like this weekend just gone, it is the the blockbuster game of the weekend, which is the, the Manchester derby. On those very kind of quite rare occasions that yeah, we uh, don't care about happens. police advice on this normal, yeah. normal no. weekend of Barclays. Yeah, not. that is rare because normally it's the BT Sport game, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it, it tends not to be a, a grand slam fixture. Good point. Good point. Um, of course, the Saturday twelve thirty is usually the. Um, usually the domain of BT Sport. Connell Megan says, Liverpool away to Watford can only be played at 12.30 on BT. This is absolutely right. Watford-Liverpool feels so BT. Yeah, I, it I, is. All I can think of is, is the BT Sport the sort of graphics in yeah. the bottom corner, McManaman, Fletch. It's Jake so Humphrey. BT. Yeah, I mean, of course, 
we all remember when this was 12.45. And in fact, that changed in August 2016 to oh, make it back wow. to, the, uh, to the start of this episode. So, oh my goodness. Um, and I remember, I mean, you used to get, back when Sky had everything, you would get some quite big. I remember there being Chelsea-Liverpool, uh, or Liverpool-Chelsea would have been at, at, in that 12.45 slot. It's also, it, it's, it's quite often a, because 12.30 is the first slot and it will be a team that's just been in Europe. It's mm. like, Look a bit leggy. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 been a slow first twenty. You know, they, they look a tired around. Look tired. Yeah, it's just it's been a bit flat. Yeah, first half. Twelve thirties are always flat. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of flat. Fact. Let's set the scene a little bit more. Paul Gallagher, Nick says Joe Cole and Peter Crouch narrowly avoiding a stray football from the warm up as they do the pre match on BT Sport. Yes, Kieran Doyle. 12.30pm kickoffs, fucking shadows, he says. I think that's all that needs to be said. It's an absolute crime. It's an absolute crime. Fed up with it. Fix it. Someone actually did say this a while ago. Can't they do something about the, the shadows on the pitch? Which is one of those things that is stupid. But Guitar then you think, would. yeah, Well, yeah. But then you think, no, surely they can do something about the shadows on the pitch. Surely that, they can do anything. About. And that's why, I'm, like with the King Power, I'm imagining some big shadows. But this is a big, like with that shadows in tennis, there's a tournament in Madrid where it's it's borderline unwatchable because of the shadows are so bad. Yeah. And it's become a big issue of it's like, stress. how what can they do about this? Because you genuinely really struggle to watch it. Play it when the sun is directly above their heads, like next. <laughs> Mexico 86. That's the only way to do it. It's the only allowable shadow situation. Delving even deeper into the 1230 uh, culture, Charlie, Elliot Newstead says it is, un- it is an unwritten rule that every Saturday 1230 kickoff has Stuart Atwell as the VAR and ends 3-1 <laughs> to the away team. I, I I don't really know how to interrogate this observation, but I love the detail. Yeah, um, that's but- great. Because for me, David Coote is Mr. VAR. Okay. And I think he was refing the other day and I found it so jarring. I was like, what's he doing? He should be... <laughs> Get yourself to Stockley Park, fella. Speaking of the VAR, um, I don't know how niche we can go with this, but I really don't care. I feel like this following set of words is the only allowable way under UK broadcasting law that you're allowed to tell people who the VAR is. The VAR, incidentally, is Stuart Atwell. Just, in- yeah, you have to say exactly like that, <laughs> incidentally. Um, commentators for this one, Nick, are Darren Fletcher, Steve McManaman and Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle, I feel, is crucial for the 12.30, um, just easing you in post-brunch to the Premier League weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, the kind of... Has, has anyone really kind of dug into why BT have two co-commentators? I mean, I like are, are they both... And this this is important. Are they both in the gantry? Is is the one in the gantry and one in the studio that they kind of throw to? They're both they, in the gantry. They're both so either side of, of Fletch, or <laughs> I'm you not know. sure about that. That's a good question. Whether either sides? No, like they, I'd imagine. I feel like they I'd need to because he needs to he needs to give them a dig when he needs them to shut up. Sort of. Situation. And also, yeah, and the, the the guy who's like second along, he would get marginalised. He'd, he'd constantly be throwing to the. Yeah, it's a, it's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But that, to me, that, that having two commentators smacks of a, they're the second broadcaster to all this. So they felt, in the way that like when you're copying someone's homework, you have to slightly <laughs> change things. I feel like they felt they had to do something. Yeah. It couldn't just be exactly like Sky. Yeah. So putting the screen, like, putting the score at the bottom of the screen was an absolute exactly, clincher for that. Exactly. Oh, what can we do? Exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. got to do something. Um, and yeah, get, get two pundit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> give it a go. Anyway, uh, this is how this game breaks down. Uh, Craig Cathcart will open the scoring unexpectedly for Watford, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, it'll be one of those goals where the commentator says, and I think the last touch came off Cathcart in the it's end. It's given. <laughs> yeah. Of all people, yeah. Craig Cathcart. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but Liverpool hit back with two goals from Mohamed Salah, um, whose name must be read out by Darren Fletcher on BT Sport. I just felt that's the only voice I can hear it in. Uh, Diogo Jota just sealing it late on, Nick. For me, this is um, a slightly more comfortable slightly more comfortable win for Liverpool. Maybe They maybe score... Uh, four goals and Trent Alexander and Arnold sets up three of them mm. which then leads to a lengthy post-match debate about why he isn't in the England squad oh yes mm. yes a- could he play midfield exactly <laughs> you know, yeah yeah so and, and someone, someone I certainly see the him there in the future yeah. I certainly see him there he's got the passing range for it someone like Joe Cole brings it up as if he's the first person to kind of think of this genius tactical plan I, I do see him in midfield I do I do actually yeah, yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think it could be more. Co- I think it's um, they're not behind after half an hour, but it's no no, and it is flat, mm, and yeah. then they kind of up it. And it, it uh, there's and it, never it any out. threat of them losing. Never no. ever any threat. It, they bounce back straight all- away. It's also, this is a very lazy observation, but this is the second game for a new Watford manager. 
the uh, the first one they've beaten like Crystal Palace three one or something, but they can't quite ride the new manager bounce. Mm. Oh, so this is the reality check. Mm. This is the reality check. Yeah, incredibly good shout. Yeah. That that rounds it off perfectly. Nice one. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches. So we're into the, we're into the real belly of the beast for Saturday, the 3 p.m. kickoffs. Thanks to some scheduling ripples, there are only three games which really takes the shine of a Saturday in the tiniest way possible that that will irritate people and be a, a sort of semi it feels thin I mean you're looking at your live score yeah. app and you can only see three games you think oh I'm getting cheated here yeah that happened um, I mean because th- this must be a weekend following a European yeah. midweek is yeah. it so you know you've got a bit that's shunted uh, shunted to uh to the Sunday and it does thin it out if you are tuning into Soccer Saturday Nick just to absorb you know as a as a neutral if, if you are one the 3 p.m. experience when there's no goals in the first 15 minutes. Again, it just feels like, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Score. <laughs> when you have a blanket yeah. fixture list, it's like, surely someone should score early. That's just, why isn't, why isn't it happening? Which, which would uh, inspire a, a wry quip about, uh, from Jeff Stelling about how this is the greatest league in the world, that mm, kind of thing. Mm, very much so. So, okay, so who are our Saturday 3 p.m. likely suspects? Well, I... Yeah, I mean, I would, I would have thought Norwich, but I guess they've been taken yeah. already. But Burnley are, I mean, they're such arch traditionalists. Where are they playing? Well, you've, you've got them here at Man City away. Interesting. <laughs> That's you sound, law. You sound skeptical about this, Charlie, that but this the, is surely, this is surely the most nailed-on part of the whole schedule. Yeah, that was the, yeah. That was a huge consensus of them losing five 0 away at Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. I mean, I, I can see them at Turf Moor as well. But, um, mm, yeah, I'm entertaining not entertaining someone like Newcastle or something. Yeah, I'm not just flippantly putting in Manchester City five Burnley nil. There, there is a real art to Manchester City five Burnley nil. I mean, Nick, it's an evisceration, but it's a really casual stroll. It's never a, it's never a kind of complete annihilation. It's um. At least two of the goals will be celebrated by the goal scorer running over and really happily pointing at the guy who set it up. It's yeah, that yeah. sort of thrashing, isn't it? Lots of applause it, from a low pullback. Yeah, uh, yeah. At least, at least two, two, probably three of them are tap-ins from three yards after that that move. Who's getting um, in on the act for Manchester City? I think Jesus is getting in on the act. What? Uh, Have you ever listened to the Football Clichés podcast before? Strikers <laughs> cannot do, get in on the act. It's it's Jao Cancelo. Think, <laughs> you don't can is. Can like non can score? I think strikers who don't score very often and have now been like sidelined to a kind of industrious, working hard wide man. He can have the fifth. He can have the fifth. Yeah. All right. He can have the fifth. But the goals have been shared around mostly. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, I think I, I think another thing from this is that um, uh, Edison's heat map, uh, <laughs> which which shows shows his average position is about thirty yards from his own goal yeah. line. That then becomes a meme. Yeah. What does is there um, also a viral heat map of the Burnley striker who all his touches were kicking off? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is perfect. Okay. So that's Manchester City five. Burnley ticked off quite easily. Um, next up, Crystal Palace two, Leicester one. Charlie, that feels really Saturday three p.m. I feel like it's it's not a sort of a game that really would really appeal to the Sunday crowd. Maybe a no, two p.m. My, my, on Sunday. Yeah. I my only. I think here because Leicester have become quite uh, Europa League staples. This could be in the one of the non-televised two PM slots. Mm, yeah, I Palace can, are always I can good see it there. Definitely, um, yeah. le- a slightly leggy Leicester yeah. being held at Palace. Yeah, at 2 this PM is on Sunday. This is based on the narrative, Nick, that Leicester have been knocked out of the Europa League and haven't passed into the Conference League either. Um, so they've been knocked out of Europe completely and therefore are back on the Saturday three PM carousel. I do think it needs to be on the Saturday just for match of the day purposes. Mm. For, for... It's a very match of the day game, actually. It, it it's is. It's a very 2-2. Uh, Who's good, the commentator? You know, interesting game. It's Jonathan Pierce. It's definitely Jonathan Pierce. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's um, subject of... Uh, it, it needs to be on match of the day because Ian Wright's on with, with Gary Lineker and uh, it needs to be the subject of Crystal Palace v Leicester banter. At the start of the, at the start of match of the day, mm. so yeah. I think that's why it needs to be Saturday. That's and a tale it. of a tale of two strikers. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you've got the kind of Vardy Edouard comparison analysis. 
little bit of extra context here from Ryan Richardson. He says, at 3pm, Palace get a surprisingly comfortable home win against someone near the top, a Tottenham or a Leicester perhaps, aided by at least one penalty and a red card for their opponents. Depending on allegiance, Zaha either dived all game or was kicked off the park. Yeah, that sounds like the <laughs> Crystal Palace experience to me. <laughs> and looks really miserable throughout. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, either shocked or miserable at all times. Right, um, our third... And final Saturday, 3pm kickoff, Nick, is Southampton 1, Newcastle 0, down at St Mary's. Yeah, and it feels like this is a the, the, this game features a, a tour de force from uh, James Ward-Prowse. Possibly, the goal possibly comes from a free kick from him, which leads to several kind of traditional exasperated journalists tweeting about why he's not in the England team. Again, <laughs> yeah. this is the, the kind of... And I, I, there is one journalist in particular that has a, this particular bee in his bonnet that we probably all know who it is, but yeah. yeah. I don't, but fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me right. afterwards. Um, this Ward Prousey moment, Charlie, feels like one of those things where people would implore you to watch it on Match of the Day later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Catch this one on Match of the Day later. You won't be disappointed. Pointed. Yeah, and I think it's a game. It's yeah. In my mind, it finishes one 0 and it's a game where we, we've got to give Hassan Hootel a lot of credit, hasn't he? I mean, the job he's doing down there because this win takes them to tenth and kind of oh, right. you know. I thought this was more of a kind of pressure coming off Hassan Hootel. Well, win. I think there has been pressure on him, but he's this culminate. This is a really good run they've been on, and actually they'll probably be safe again. And given you know the, the turnover, he is doing a great job down there, isn't he? This this feels like uh, that they've had a few like a run of three or four games where they played well but not won, and this is the game yeah. that they eventually. Right, yeah, this, yeah. this is the, this is the reward one of these for days we were going to dish out a one nil spanking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the reward for all their good work yeah. against you know Arsenal and UK in the previous week. Conversely, yeah. I think Burnley after the, despite this five nil, which makes it two points from five games, they've been playing okay, and the results will turn around, and they do. They'll be fine. They'll be, They'll fine. be fine. Yeah. They've got- a run of easier fixtures coming up. Um, okay, so we're in Saturday tea time now. As I was going through this, Charlie, I was starting to realise that pretty much every time slot, except maybe for Saturday 3pm, just feels very Arsenal, but we've already had them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about just Arsenal, but they, they do lot. pretty much suit every possible time slot. I think it's because they're capable of so many different obvious scenarios, maybe. But um, yeah, Latoon Army says, a mildly interesting game for the 5.30 that you'll keep on because, you know, why not? Something like West Ham versus Newcastle. Um, but I've gone for Brighton 1, Chelsea 2 at the Amex. Yeah, the Amex was where my mind went when I thought Good. Uh, 5.30. Um, a slightly windy, wet Amex. Yes, yes. That's kind of what I was imagining. And yeah, I think that's right because our the archetype of Brighton is, you know, XG11, as we know, create chances and should get good results, but maybe they don't quite. And they have quit themselves very well. And by the way, Graham Potter, I mean, <laughs> I think any club should be looking at him um, emerge with a great deal of yeah, credit today yeah. despite Ben Chilwell's 91st minute <laughs> yeah. winner you know. for Chelsea now Nick Charlie mentioned the potential weather conditions down at the MX for this one I do feel like Saturday 5.30 is when the weekend starts to unravel a little bit the freshness has gone from the weekend the hopes and dreams have started to kind of be eliminated one by one and as Jack Pierce says from his regular Premier League weekend. He wants one unusual thing, just one. He wants a man scoring four. He wants a side going down to eight men. He wants a penalty and its retake both being saved. Or his preferred option, a referee having to be replaced mid-game due to a muscle pull. Now he's gone too far with that last one. That wouldn't happen on a televised. That wouldn't happen on a televised game. They, you know, PGMOL just wouldn't let it happen. <laughs> that's a 3pm, is isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know what else. The, the, uh, the Amex was, of course, the place where uh, Manchester United scored that goal that was after the full-time whistle. Yeah, um, and on the weekend just which... gone. I mean, Dunk had to go in gold, didn't he? And a... yes, yeah. of course. It just, yeah, just feels like a very chaotic time slot. It's under the lights. People have had a long Saturday on the booze, it's... maybe. It, it's it's the it's the game where if you if you if it's on at home it's always on it's kind of on in the background because yeah. it, it's the prime time w- where you're doing other things mm. either you're you know you're you're making dinner or you're getting ready to go out or something or something like that so it's never it very very rarely feels like a game that has your full attention. Uh, commentators Rob Hawthorne and Alan Smith, Charlie. Yeah, smudge. Like. Yeah, I mean he, I would no stranger to a Sunday two o'clock. Absolutely yeah, no stranger to that slot. Um, the selection process for the commentators was very yeah, hard. Although, Probably actually, harder than doing the teams. I'm hoping Hinchcliffe might appear at Sunday 2 o'clock. Absolutely. Brilliant. Because that, I mean, that's okay. that's very much his domain. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a, uh, that's, that's a good pairing. 
Okay, so on to match of the day on Saturday evening. Gary Lineker's already been on just before the end of the news to tell us that there are 19 goals <laughs> in total for us to show tonight, Nick. Um, I feel like that, that's a prerequisite. Actually, I think 19 might be quite low for him telling us how many goals there have been. It must be 20 plus. I think I think it's 20 plus, although... More is that... Uh, I mean, is that realistic from... I suppose it could Possible, be realistic yeah. from only five games. Mm. Um, being shown, yeah, maybe it, we should be doing it on a we should be doing it on a goal per game average basis, Charlie, not a total. Yeah, mm. I mean that that would sell it sell it better. I mean, I remember they used to do on the the Premiership in the briefly you know the brief uh, interregnum mm. period. What was quite annoying was uh, Des Lynam would say we've still got seven more goals to come, and then if you didn't know the score, you'd sort of, you could then work out kind of how many oh, were coming yeah. in the next That's game. That's actually kind of cool way of doing it. Yeah, it was, but it was like it's like giveaway you know in the in the mm. spirit of like you know look away now if you don't want to know the scores but yeah that was his mm. way of kind of building up excitement although they had ad breaks so i guess they had mm. to kind of keep not necessarily the time to do a deep dive into match of the day but paul gallagher nick says uh i feel like this is inevitable some fantastic stops from the watford slash Leeds slash burnley slash Wolves slash aston villa keeper <laughs> keeping chelsea slash man united slash spurs at bay <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. How yeah, many saves? Um, how many saves do you think you'd need? Like maybe three, four, four. I think, I think, I think it, it needs yeah four, three. Ultimately, quite kind of regulation saves, and then one, one pretty good one. Maybe a double um, save. Where he yeah, got oh, up smartly to stop the second one because that's what they yeah. trained for. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and then he then he obviously he shouts at his defense, and that's that's the closing shot of the montage. Him mm. shouting at the defense and you know, say, well, you know. Could have been worse if it wasn't for, you know, Ben Foster slash whoever it is. Uh, match of the day montages, Charlie, they're, they have a very specific vibe. They're, they're mostly based around a footballing act that a player did all afternoon or time and time again. Right, and he, yeah. It can be attacking or defensive, but what's the first thing that kind of pops into your and mind? And he did this all afternoon. So mm. that, to me, is kind of anticipating danger. It might be like a defensive right. midfielder spotting the space and winning it back. And he, and he did that all afternoon. Which then, and this is a team. They know exactly what they're doing. You look, you look at them <laughs> from back to front. Each of them knows. The contrast with other mid-table that they've just beaten is staggering. They're walking. I'm going to stop it. You look at this. They are walking, and uh, yeah, that, that giant circle, textured yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not the trying. They don't know what they're doing. It's not good enough. I feel. I, I don't know. I feel that that the their walking thing is is sort of straying slightly into Monday night maybe, football territory. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's a bit too. Yeah, maybe it's a bit too kind of in the moment. Maybe it should be a bit more kind of a surface level thing. Yeah. No, no offense to match of the day. I understand the constraints in which they work under. But the thing about montage is Nick attacking or defensive is that when they're trying to ram home the point of this player doing this thing, it gets to the point where they m- maybe put one in too many where it's a little bit tenuous. So for defenders, <laughs> it will be just them booting the ball into Rosette. He saw the danger and he dealt with it. Yeah, <laughs> on head, heading the ball back to the goalkeeper, which, mm. you know, 30 years from the uh, remove from the passback loss still receives a round of applause from the mm. from the from fans and right. and then yeah. and then finishing with this man that's a lovely moment at the end there as he kind of claps off and, and shares a joke with a teammate or throws it to a fan throws a shirt to a fan or something don't know whether we've mentioned a sending off from the from the previous games but the match of the day also has to include um if, it, if it's a, assuming this is sending off for two yellow cards mm. it has to include showing the first yeah. yellow card in a kind of portentous way like like someone climbing a ladder at the start of Casualty. You know, <laughs> There's you know, no way you, to style it out. There's just no, no way to do it. You know exactly what's coming. Why are they showing this, Although, this yellow card? The, oh, this, non, this nondescript yellow card in the first half for no particular reason. That's, re- that's a very... Um, yeah, that's a staple. But then the other day I was watching, it was the Friday night game under the lights at St Mary's. Uh, uh, Southampton, uh, Aston Villa highlights on match of the day. Cursory. But they did a similar thing, but it didn't actually lead to a red card. But they showed the first booking and it was like, okay, well, clearly he's getting sent off. He didn't actually get sent off. But then there were a couple of incidents where he was going to get the second yellow, which I'm not... which is kind of a you know a relative of that but i'm not sure i'd actually seen that before i think this is the only way to mitigate against this is it's just to sprinkle in a, a few single yellow cards and just say well this is what happened <laughs> yeah and keep people guessing um but yeah that, yeah that's that's the match of the day experience quickly and efficiently reviewed oh look at that that is wonderful brought to your ears by the athletic this is football cliches 
On to Sunday afternoon. Now the now the the televised 2 p.m. kickoff, Nick, aka the game you pretty much always miss the first 15 to 20 minutes of because you just couldn't get home in time because it's Sunday and you were stuck in traffic or something like that. I've gone for Aston Villa nil, Leeds United nil. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, it needs to be kind the, of solid, kind of across the board bit of history. Both yeah, clubs it, it, situation. The TV broadcasting quota for the. Um, uh, slot isn't it but uh, yeah if, if you have two teams that you that, that people of our age anyway associate with being in the Premier League in the 1990s then you know you might get people to sit down and actually watch it um, and it's two teams for whom a point doesn't do a great deal for yeah <laughs> no it's, it's not good for either team yeah. I could sit listening to do this all day long um, Lewis Murray um, has, feels very strongly about the first uh, the televised um, Sunday 2pm game he says one of the Super Sunday games has to be totally utterly irretrievably shite it should look okay <laughs> on paper maybe a tasty clash between two high flying mid table teams or just Southampton and someone else <laughs> that could suck you in only to be left bored to tears um, if there is a game in the weekend that, I, that I'm likely to kind of start drifting off it probably is the Sunday 2pm it's kind of prime candidate to cut to David Jones and you know Sue Nesson, whoever standing by the sideline at an empty yes, you know, Old Trafford or whatever. Really or undermines wherever. the first game. It really game. does. It really I know. Does. I always think that because yeah. the studio as well. They're based over at Old Trafford or whatever, and it is like God. That as if this game didn't feel like enough of a crappy undercard. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we still have to get through Villa Leeds first. <laughs> Bit. Don't, don't worry the, the moment that you switch from one to the other is coming up very shortly the very very specific yeah. moment I might even let Charlie do that one himself um, <laughs> Sam says Charlie the fixture itself isn't important but if Alan Smith isn't doing co-coms for the 2pm Sunday then my entire weekend is left feeling a bit weird uh, yeah what well, is it I mean yeah Smudge and Hinchcliffe are in that um, very much in competition for that sort. yeah I mean like I said I think Smith is is very adept at the Sunday 2pm absolutely no stranger to it but to me that is that's Hinchcliffe hmm. Hinchcliffe uh, could could Hinchcliffe also do Friday night I feel like he probably could yeah actually actually now you said that my commentators I've got are Seb Hutchinson and Andy Hinchcliffe for Villa Leeds so that's fine yeah uh, Hinchcliffe will find something to get slightly annoyed about maybe maybe set piece taking like the, the corners yeah. have just not been good enough yeah they've not been good enough yeah it's uh, as it becomes apparent that it's going to be no no it's like and that's the third time today in a game like when it's this tight, you you can't afford to do that at this level. As it sums yeah. his afternoon up, doesn't it? <laughs> it sums his afternoon up a bit. But of course, we we must forget about the phantom game of the weekend, Nick. That is the untelevised two p.m. Sunday affair, uh, the game that is on Sunday but not on TV because of European fixtures. And since the time of original scheduling, that game has become more enticing than the actual TV game due to managerial changes or other narratives. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite annoying. <laughs> I mean, it's annoying, isn't it? We should have the option of watching whichever Sunday game you like. Uh, What's also about. so good about this is how right. much it throws people because obviously everyone knows 3 p.m. Saturday, that's not going to be on. But because it's on a televised slot, it really winds people up. And I see this every week because Spurs often are this team uh, because of, they've been in the Conference League. And the same thing happens. You get people being like, we're not on. We're not on TV. And then they're kind of mad, they're, they have this mad rush to, uh, to find a stream. Actually, Surprisingly, it's, it surprises me, Nick, how late people realise um, that this game isn't televised. It's like, you must know by now. There are listings. You, a bit, people just seem to sort of to let it sort of drift But I think it is because it's at the yeah. slot in your head. You see you're on Sunday too or whatever. You're like, okay, I, fine. I, I think a bit... Did, did, how, how far in advance do you check the TV schedules? I, I, I always, it's, it's always yeah. like 12 <laughs> o'clock on a Sunday. I kind of look at live score and go, okay, which of these three 2pm games is on, uh, is on yeah. TV? And yeah, obviously it's never Tottenham. Uh, but yes, Tottenham it is for the untelevised game. They're, they're winning 2-0 at home to Brentford, Charlie. A nice, easy gig for you. Uh, Harry Kane opens the scoring and uh, he turns provider for Heung-Min Son uh, to, to wrap it all up. Yeah, in my head, I had I mean, I mean, had Tottenham versus Wolves as a kind of archetypal... Again, a, a team who, given that Spurs or whoever's in this slot have just played in, you know, in some far-flung place a few days earlier. You'd think that the Wolves or Brentford in this situation might spring an upset, but while they do make life awkward and while it is flat, like the 12.30, eventually class tells and uh, yeah, a kind of forgettable 2-0 feels right. Okay, over to the main event on Sunday, the 4.30pm kickoff. Getting... I'm still getting accustomed to saying 4.30, Charlie. Mm. I, I still can't remember when it becomes 4pm and when it becomes 4.30, but still. It may also have been in that 2016. <laughs> what a huge year. I can't remember. Mm. But now our attention turns yeah, to massive. East London. 
and West Ham against Manchester United. A thoroughly entertaining 2-2 draw, Nick, this one. West Ham go ahead early, then they're pegged back uh, just after half-time. Manchester United then take command and go 2-1 ahead. But uh, West Ham then get a thoroughly deserved point. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing. Uh, I'm using sort of recency bias too much with this. But I've got this as uh, Manchester United going behind twice. Um, at least one of the equalisers they end score is is Ronaldo. Realistically, probably both. Um, West Ham then go three two ahead yep. and then add a fourth. Mikel Antonio adds a fourth. <laughs> on a counter-attack in like the 92nd wow. minute as United Ooh. are piling forward. I'm happy with that. Charlie, how do you feel? As long as it provokes the yeah. uh, Solskjaer debate afterwards, then I think then we're very much in the realms of normal a normal weekend of Barclays. My only thing with this fixture is whether we think a normal Barclays... I mean, that that Sunday 4.30 or 4 as it was being a, you know, a Grand Slam uh, fixture, as they call them at Sky, between two... You know, do, do we think it's more quintessential to have a kind of Chelsea v United or do we think that would... Provoke, like a really underwhelming nil-nil between two big teams that's been built up. Yeah, it's a good shout. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's very much it's like you're on countdown and you're trying to pick the numbers. I mean, do you want two two from the top or do you want a kind of a broader selection? I maybe now it's just a bit like when we choose our 11s. I do feel like I we've missed a trick not having a you know a real blue ribbon event in this weekend. But let's let's not do any disservice to West Ham here. By the way, well, yeah, absolutely. I think well, I think it has to be the thing, it, there, there has to be either a big you know, Super Sunday, you know, Grand Slam, whatever game, or the big team or the, the most more notable team has to lose. And then there is kind of an hour introspection from Gary Neville or whatever it is for the fourth weekend out of five. Roy Keane is obviously going to be a um, chief protagonist in this scenario, almost almost regardless of how Manchester United disgrace themselves in this game. But um, all I want from Roy Keane, who we have talked about in depth before, are these words. These are international footballers. I just want Roy Keane to remind us that they're international footballers, Charlie. That's all I need. <laughs> it's it. That's the benchmark. There's also that nice moment, isn't there, where if, if Gary Neville's been commentating, that he then kind of joins up with the studio for the, for the, for the post-match post. <laughs> it is a, it, Roy Keane's yeah. their international footballers is very much the more aggressive cousin of Ole Solskjaer saying, this is Manchester United. Goes without saying that the commentary team is Martin Tyler, Gary Neville, and Jamie Carragher for that one. So, so by now we've we've established ourselves some um, Monday morning talking points from the Premier League weekend. Nothing, nothing really encapsulates. Nothing really, um, really rounds off a Premier League weekend without some some very generic talking points. I'll kick you off with one from Alex. He says, um, the weekend needs a goal from a fringe England player, ideally for a mid-table club, leading to debate about whether they deserve a call-up mm-hmm. or not. That's prime yeah. Premier League talking point territory, isn't it? Yeah, and something I just can't <laughs> summon <laughs> the energy to care about. But but I, I see, yeah, I mean, like we said before, Ward-Prowse, you know, he, he scored the winner against Newcastle and, um, you know, that makes him the second highest you know, English goal-scoring central midfielder so far this season, and yeah. why is he being yeah. overlooked? Are you surely you're you're kind of every time Oliver skip or, or someone plays quite well, you're thinking, oh, geez, just don't play too well because I'm going to have to do this. Yeah, do the clamour. I mean, the thing that I then some supporters don't want their players getting picked because then it uh, kind of you know messes up their preparation for the next Premier League game and things. So there's a there's that tension. Lovely stuff from Franco Kelly here, who. Um who has absolutely nailed this one. He says, calls for greater consistency abound as Eric Dyer's lunging follow-through on Alex Iwobi after getting the ball concedes a penalty and earns him a red card, even though we saw the same challenge by Lewis Dunk on Ismail Assar go unpunished the day before. That's uh, superb. Dude. I had I had that sketched out in a very much more generic way in my notes, but that's a fantastic detail. It is increasingly infuriating, though, Nick, that we are forced to kind of transpose two incidents, who which might be slightly similar, but are actually completely different and are judged by completely different people at completely different times, and therefore, surprisingly enough, have had different outcomes. Yeah, and it's all. It, 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 uh, I'm very aware that we do get very twittery sometimes on the uh, on this podcast, but it's always there's always there's a gif of the previous incident with mm. a various kind of laughing emojis posted um, by you know high profile fan account of X Club when referring to yeah we we all know the form we all know the form. Uh, this one from Andy United, Charlie, almost sent me to sleep halfway through reading it. He says, someone like Michael Owen discussing the fans of a one-club city like Leeds or Newcastle, including the phrase, goldfish bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, could, I can't think of a duller chat yeah, than that. We've discussed Goldfish Bowl before, haven't we? I mean, that's yeah. Newcastle. Goldfish Bowl is just pure <laughs> Newcastle. Mm, absolutely. Uh, final one from George Nick. Monday's talking point is either what a job David Moyes is doing at or where next for David Moyes and his struggling. <laughs> <laughs> either way, you're going to yeah. have one of them. Sacking? Is there a sacking this weekend? Oh, I mean, yeah, well, and if so there is, a, there's yeah. A, yeah, complaints about you know, what a good man and what a good job yeah. so-and-so had done at club. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, unfair this way. Even, even though we have had five already this season, is sacking too, still too rare an event for a for a, a standard Barclays weekend? Oh, yeah, yeah, weekend? good point. Sticking to Alex Pierce's philosophy of having enough drama, but not too much. Well, like, yeah, uh, maybe you're not... Like ma- we could have a sack. Or maybe an on the brink. Uh, mm. You know, so-and-so is now on the brink has, with an international has, break looming. Yeah, has X number of games to it's save a, yeah, his job. Yeah, yeah. But, but the more I think about what George pointed out there, um, it just feels like me, like, if I was a Premier League manager, an up-and-coming Premier League manager, my main career ambition would be, at some point on a Monday, Nick, someone say, what a job Adam <laughs> Hurry is doing. <laughs> what a job Adam Hurry is doing down there. I mean, why why is Adam Hurry being, if, if his name was Ari Harinho or, or something, he would be in contention for the Manchester United job. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely right. But this weekend's not over, Charlie, because it's Monday Night Football. And you know who we've got left? Can you remember who we've got left? Because honestly, if you can remember the last two teams of a Premier League weekend, despite having seen all the others lot play, then you're a better oh, man. Oh, no, than that's, I mean, that's amazing if, if you're able mm. to do that. Um, no, the process but... of deduction is oddly difficult for some reason because it relies on knowing who all the teams are in the Premier League off the top of your head straight away. Yeah, it's not easy. But luckily, th- in this instance, this is just so MNF, this game. <laughs> <laughs> but a huge, huge decision to make, a huge call remains for us, Nick. Is it Wolves 1, Everton 1, or is it Everton 1, Wolves 1? 100% Everton 1, This is a good decision, is Yeah, definitely. The... the, the... Monday night games are only ever at Goodison Park or Selhurst Park. In Molyneux in just feels so floodlighty. I mean, Goodison yeah. is incredibly floodlighty, but Molyneux is perhaps the most floodlighty stadium in the Premier League. It, it is, but it's still. I don't think it's Monday night, uh, and I'm not. I'm not really sure how you. Yeah, Molyneux. Those two Molyneux things. is quite midweek Premier League game in that like yeah. December slot when you get a midweek uh, yeah. midweek round. Yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, Goodison edges it as they Monday night floodlight under the nights. Under the nights? Let me start that again. Okay, Goodison edges it then as the Monday night under the lights classic. This game, Charlie, it's a very specific type of game because it's it's very rarely to me one of the big guns for Monday night football. It's almost like it's the sideshow to the discussion. Yeah. But there is still a bit of narrative to be had. There are two teams in seemingly constant transitional phases who who kind of have a residual impression of them being quite exciting at their best. But really, it's only on paper. But and the whole thing is artificially boosted by the knowledge that you're about to watch them under the lights. So it, therefore, it must be entertaining. Yeah, I think the analysis of both teams is a kind of like they'll pull up the stats and show that from an attacking sense, third, fourth, fifth, not a lot of problem. I'm just going to flip it over. <laughs> That's where the issues have been. Sixteenth yeah. for shots face, seventeenth, and that's not good enough. And that and that's why they're eleventh. Something's got to give, hasn't it, Nick, on a Monday night football? Something always has to give, surely. Yeah, and it, but but also it, it just because feels the game feels so completely undermined by the by the kind of excellence of the the Carragher and Neville analysis of the weekend just gone. Mm. I mean, who's going to care about Everton v Wolves when Jamie Carragher has brought up a lot of things on the giant iPad and keeps jabbing the screen saying there, there, and there, <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. It's, it's a big issue in Monday Night Football that you, you you do get that analysis and then you get Dave Jones or you know being like, but we are here for Burnley Newcastle. And it's like, oh, can't they just keep talking about Saudi Arabia and whatever else? That, yeah, that's kind of the continuing issue. And I, I actually was thinking this last Monday, this Monday just gone, because it's obviously an international break, so there's no MNF, but that shouldn't stop them. There's no mm. game, but the game is so yeah. incidental to it. Like, there, very, su- there's very good point. So much to unpack from the weekend. Mm. If anything, it's better that we don't have to sit through. You know, it means two more hours rather of you know mm. that they could talk rather than watching Wolves v Everton. Still bitterly cold night from the blue <laughs> half of Merseyside this evening. Um, Tim Eaton, Nick, says Wolves and Everton definitely play Monday night. Uh, quite often it features a season-ending injury to a quite good but not really that good player. Uh, this is actually, this is a good little strand, actually. Of all the possible Premier League combinations, almost regardless of the scheduling, but Monday night seems the best time for this. I feel like Wolves and Everton on a Monday night at Goodison 
could be the horror injury game the real kind of flapping your wrist to get the paramedics on to to sort this guy's leg out i, I think like a monday night is a really bad hamstring tear or something it's <laughs> it's not it's not a compound fracture of your ankle or, or anything like that i don't oh. i don't really know why as a uh, sunday afternoon is more is your horror injury okay. slot i think would you settle for the first half going to more than 50 minutes yes yeah maybe, maybe a goalkeeper concussion or something oh, okay. like that Okay, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Charlie, Dan Roberts says, can we add, he pleads, a suspended Connor Cody into the Monday Night Football <laughs> studio with Carragher, <laughs> jesting who, over who would have had a better chance of scoring the header they're reviewing on the sky pad. Great shout. Good. Yeah, I was thinking who the get... Cody would be really good on Monday Night He's Football. done it. If he hasn't done it already. Yeah, really I'm pretty nice. sure he has done it. And yeah. uh, and and didn't he speak well? I mean, Yes, the, well, that, this is the key point. It will lead to a, a rash of, he didn't he speak well, screenshot of the game clapping hands emoji kind of thing more of this please well yeah because yeah. this was of course was uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was on Monday Night Football recently Charlie and it was it was amazing sort of I didn't disagree with it but I was, it was amazing seeing sort of broadcast professionals kind of willing him on yeah it's like <laughs> go on son yeah, 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 go yeah. on you can do it because I think there was kind of palpable fear that he was a bit nervous at the start it was, it was just great to see us all kind of willing this studio pundit on in a way that I've never seen anyone do for a pundit before yeah there is a lot of support and, and you know people and then you'll get on the Twitter people like Lineker maybe offering a bit more detail, you know, as to what that's like. You know, you're responding to cues, uh, having to improvise, etc., etc. Not easy. Well done. Do you, would you get uh, someone posting like a, a photograph of his notes or something like that, or is that too? <laughs> well, that's a, that's like, a co- j- j- that's big commentators. Uh, uh, no, that is yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that is too commentatory. Yeah. Speaking of which, our commentators for Monday Night Football: <laughs> Bill Leslie and Karen Carney. Has Bill Leslie done? Has he been? Did he do FNF as well? Has he had two gigs no. this weekend? Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I did actually. Sorry, Bill Leslie. No, Busy it's, it's all right. He's got. Well, no, no, he's 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 done his he's done his work. He's been in a couple of games. He's been busy, but technically he's had the weekend off. So True, lovely yeah. stuff for Bill. Yeah, a long drive from the Emirates all the way up to Goodison, though. But he's got two days to do yeah. it, so that's fine. Okay, so that rounds off our one normal weekend of Premier League. Charlie, do you think we've do you think we've got the right cross section of the Premier League experience here? We've got a, a sprinkling of drama, but mostly textbook outcomes for the big teams, uh, more or less. Yeah, no, no huge surprises, and everything you know, like the best TV shows, everything kind of goes back to how it was at the start, and it's all fine. Mm. So, Nick, one regular weekend of Premier League—that's all we asked for. Could it happen? I think it could. Yeah, this all this all sounds pretty plausible in the, uh, the fictional the Good. Yeah, the, we the, want yeah. to present the most plausible scenario from the league weekend. I the, think the we fi- have done it. The fictional version of Antonio Conte is uh, is satisfied. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's got this far in this episode, is now screaming, "No, Leicester should be the twelve thirty p.m. kickoff." Please, for God's sake, just go with it. Thanks for listening. Thanks to you, Charlie, for joining in. Thank you. Thanks to you, Nick, as well. Thank you. See everyone next week. Bye bye. <laughs> The Athletic.